coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Speaking of babies, how how is how's Nova doing? Nova's doing great. She um she actually said her her first word today. She's almost nine months old, and she said cat. cat. <laughs> <laughs> no mama or dada. <laughs> uh, she says mama, but I don't think it's in contact. Like she goes mama mama. We're going there by boat all the time, and so everybody knows that boat is really an acronym for break out another thousand. So <laughs> we've had some boat issues. issues, and we're you know knocking off any barnacles we see on them. So essentially, it is a prettier oyster, right? Aesthetics side of it, and we also work them out. We make them go to the gym a little bit. We take. <laughs> <them>. <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guests are Brian and Lindsay Rossiger from the Lost Coast Oyster Company. Lost Coast Oyster Company is the only locally farmed oysters from the pristine Terracia Aquatic Preserve. After Brian and Lindsay, we'll check out the latest, tastiest new salads at Greenstock, one of our favorite places for lunch. We, we have, have a great, great show, show, so stick, stick around. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine, and you can even get a regular old cheeseburger too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth. And the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. 
go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Please welcome, from the Lost Coast Oyster Company, Brian and Lindsay Rossiger. Yes, welcome, guys. Hi, thanks for having us back again. Hey, good to be here again. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys were originally on episode 67. That was back in December 2019. And at that time, you had baby oysters and you were expecting a baby human. You've (laughs) since had the baby, the oysters grew up, and we ate them. We have lots of babies around here. Yeah. We ate the oysters, not the baby. Yeah, right. clarify. Yes. Yeah, that does seem like so long ago. But yeah, that was kind of when we just had everything set in motion. I was a month away from being due with Nova and our oysters had just been planted. So now it, we really come full circle. And yeah, that's really awesome that you guys got to be there for all of it because you came out on our boat back then and saw them as babies and then you've eaten them now. <laughs> yes, it was it was really awesome to eat them. Do you have any babies we can eat? Yeah. Oysters <laughs> that is. So, speaking of babies, how how is how's Nova doing? Nova's doing great. She um she actually said her her first word today. She's almost ah. 9 months old and she said Cat. <laughs> no mama or dada. No, she says mama, but I don't think it's in contact. She goes mama, mama, mama. mama. <laughs> well, I'm going to take that though. Yeah. But the cat one, she was looking right at the cat. She loves our cats. She chases them everywhere. And cool. she goes cat. So I knew that it was, you know, that was a word there. That so she meant it. Yeah. That's oh. awesome. What's your cat's name? Benji. We have two. We have Benji and Hitty, and they're both terrified of Nova. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what she actually calls them when she starts trying to call them by name. <laughs> right. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> yeah. He has fun. lots of nicknames. We call him um, like BG, like from the BGs. We yeah. call him so. <laughs> cheeseburger because he's fat. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you guys are the first and only farmers we've ever had on. Awesome. But actually oyster farmers. Yeah. So I'm thinking before you guys, there really were no local oysters here, were there? Not for some time. There were kind of historically and, um, you know, the wild populations. I mean, there weren't farmers. There were oysters in Tampa Bay. Um, uh, but, uh, the, you know, to, to harvest a wild oyster, um, the regulations are they have to be three inches. And uh, I just don't think that there were, um, for whatever reason, I think maybe access from predators or perhaps over har- harvesting, there just weren't any places in the bay that were left that were producing, you know, these market sized oysters and, you know, right. We so they weren't getting big enough. They weren't getting big enough or, or, or the, the bars have just, um, they've been decimated over time and, uh, right. you know, there are, there were, you know, some environmental conditions back in the fifties and sixties where we had some really awful things going on environmentally in the bay that mm-hmm. contributed largely to their decline. But, um, you know, things have gotten so much better in the Bay and, and seagrass levels are now kind of uh, surpassing what they were historically, even in the uh, prior to all that environmental degradation that happened in the 50s. And so, you know, we knew that there was a uh, ample source of food and uh, water quality that could support this type of um, 
aquaculture and it was just a matter of getting everything put together. Right. Yeah. So I don't want to go back over everything from the last episode. People should go back and take a listen to that. I listened to it again this morning. It's really a great episode. And a couple of things we learned is that uh, Lindsay's originally from New Jersey, exit eight, and I'm exit nine. Yes. Uh, Brian's, <laughs> from, Brian's from Lakeland. And, and, and you guys met at USF. Yes. And you got together, then you were apart, and then you're back together. And <laughs> what's, what's really exciting, you, you kind of touched on this in the very beginning, Lindsay, is we were watching your story unfold. Right. We saw right. chapter one, and that story is really still just in the beginning. But you've come full cycle to where, yeah, just uh, planting, for lack of a better word, you can tell me what the real word is in a sec, but baby oysters to the point where now you have distribution into restaurants in St. Pete. That is awesome. Yeah, it's kind of surreal for us. And we're really, I'd say, on our first month of getting them into restaurants and into people's hands that want them. And we just, we talk about it all the time that I can't believe, you know, we've grown this oyster and people are buying them to eat them and they really like them. So we're just very humbled by the whole thing. And it's just, it's taken so long to get here that we're just really appreciative that we're, we're at this point now. And it is something that, you know, we, we had an idea of what it would look like at this point, but now that it's here, um, it's an ever evolving process and, you know, working with Brian, it kind of, it changes week to week and we're, we're honing in on our business and, you know, making it better as we go, but kind of flying by the seat of our pants a little as well. And we're definitely happy to share that with all of our followers. I think that's part of the fun part, like you said, is kind of watching the journey. I mean, we're, right. we're new to this and we're new to, you know, owning our own business and all of that, working together as a husband and wife. So, um, you know, we're happy to let people have a little glimpse into what that looks like for us. Right. Yeah, it's cool. You know, I have to take something back. I, I misspoke. We have had farmers on before. I was going to correct you, my dear, but... And it's funny. It's the same kind of thing. Brick Street Farms. Right. uh, You know, they grow inside the... uh, What do you call them? The shipping containers. Yeah, shipping containers. Thank you. And it was the same thing. Like, we met them when they were first installing their very first uh, farm. Mm -hmm. And they both had regular jobs. And we watched them go to the point where things just were happening and they quit their jobs and this is what they do now. Right. Yeah, they're in public now. I mean, that's amazing. Yes. So so are you guys do you, are you, you still have regular jobs or not? Still working regular full-time jobs, taking yeah. a Okay, mm-hmm. yep. We're busy nowadays, but we we somehow managed to get it all done. We do our Monday through Friday 9 to 5 jobs. We watch Nova. We we send her to daycare a few days a week, but we have her most of the time. And then we really do the farming on like nights and weekends. So we barely have any free time, but it's fun. We we like it and it's rewarding. Well, now that you have your first batch that's come out and you've been distributing, how often are you able to like what's the cycle of this now of the oysters and how and when they're farmed? So that's a that's a great question. Um we We've planted um, since that first time that you came out with us, I believe in, uh, might have been November December. or December. Um, we've planted, I think, two or three more times, three more times since then in differing quantities. And, and, you know, we're trying to figure out what works best, which time of year is best to kind of get these things started. And so admittedly, we've been focusing so much on, on, keeping our oysters alive and staying on top of them. I, uh, 
I haven't been doing as, as good a job as I know I can do with um, our, 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 our stock management and figuring out where we stand. So that's kind of where um, that's where we we're at now is that we're, we're really kicking up our, our record keeping and our, our farm management and um, you know, adopting some of these better practices so that we can um, hopefully be able to, to, to offer something year round. That's the goal. We want to be harvesting right. every week. Um, we harvested uh, back in October, I believe when we first started, we went three weeks in a row and we had to take a week off, but then uh, we've been going pretty steadily since then. Yeah, and that's like I was saying before, how it's a little bit of fly by the seat of your pants. It's right. Uh, so the way we've been doing it now is Brian will harvest on, you know, really like early on a Friday morning, and then we deliver that same day to the restaurants, and we have a retail partner um, at Urban Market for individuals who want to buy them too. So it's same day harvest and delivery, and we kind of have to get our ducks in a row on that Monday. We reach out to the restaurants that we know might want some and we kind of get our, our numbers. This is how many we need to pull from the water. So then Brian goes out and we just kind of, um, he has to basically find those oysters on the farm that are sizable enough to be sold. So that's a little bit of a, a scramble right now just because it's only the two of us. So we definitely have some growing pains. Um, and that's just one of the things that happens with us starting our own farm just just the two of us and not really having the manpower yet to, to handle all of the stuff that we need to do. So, well, it's, it's a massive learning curve. I mean, right. Massive. Oh, we've had, Oh, you want to talk about some setbacks we've had? Let's talk. Setbacks really. So, um, so for the people that aren't, um, that didn't listen to the previous episode, the way our farm works is that we have a series of bags that are tethered to a line that floats out, in our farming location in the middle of the bay and Terracia Bay, correct? And, uh, and Joe, Joe yeah, the Terracia Aquatic Preserve, Joe Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Okay. And, uh, you know, so we're going there by boat all the time. And so everybody knows that boat is really an acronym for break out another thousand. So <laughs> we've had some boat, boat issues. issues. And so when you have boat issues, this is how things get compounded very quickly with farming. You have a boat right. issue. Now you can't get to your crop. Then you have a crop issue. Now you're getting behind on your work. And uh, and then it rains a lot because we live in Florida and we're close to harvest because of excess rainfall. Right. <laughs> things like that like to happen to us when when things are going good. So yeah. it's right. something. Right. But we went yeah. through all that. And I think um, I, I'm pretty thankful now that the water temperatures have started cooling down because, uh, you know – one of the, the pitfalls, if you will, of of our growing area, you know, the, the benefit being that because we have such a rich, nutrient-rich water that can have so much food for these oysters, they, they grow very quickly. Like we grew our first oysters and some of them like eight months, yeah. they were ready to go. Wow. Um, the other side of that coin is that other things like to grow very well in nutrient-rich water too, like things like barnacles and sea squirts <laughs> and uh, all these types of um, algaes and, and what, I, what we call in um, oyster farming uh, fouling organisms. These are things that are growing on our culture gear out at the farm. They're growing on the oysters. And it's so. like having mm-hmm. weeds in your garden. You just don't want them there and they just grow and grow and <laughs> you have to stay on right. top of them or they'll always be there. That's like the best thing. Right. They're perfect. I got it from you. Yeah. We said it the other day. Yeah, the weeds. That's a great analogy. <laughs> but no, sure. <laughs> yep. So, hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. 
pay some bills and okay. we'll be right back. And I got a ton of questions about oysters for you. We'll be right back. Hey foodies, do you know about the Zest podcast? If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them too. They're part of the Tampa NPR station, WUSF 89.7. On the Zest, you'll learn new recipes, baking tips, and barbecue secrets. You'll hear about what's ripe, what's growing, and what's in season. The Zest podcast is hosted by Robin Sussingham, an award-winning reporter and producer who's also an avid home cook and baker. Robin's a native Floridian and has been searching out flavors and the fascinating stories behind them from Key West to Pensacola. Learning to care for a sourdough starter and learning to bake sourdough breads really speaks to people in a very deep way. It's part of our collective history and we're getting back to our roots and our self-sufficiency. Just like us, the Zest podcast has interviews with chefs and restaurateurs and talks about food and recipes covering the Tampa Bay area and throughout Florida. It's what we listen to when we're not doing our own show. Check out the Zest podcast at thezestpodcast.com. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oats Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, Open Daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. We are back! We are back! We are back with Brian and Lindsay Rossiker from the Lost Coast Oyster Company. And they are pretty much the sole supplier of local St. Pete oysters. And one thing I want to come back to uh, before the break, you're talking about how, hey, we're learning as we go. We're flying by the seat of our pants. I just wanted to express my opinion that I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's how I've always handled business because I learned if you wait until you have everything figured out, guess when you're starting? Never, because you're never going to have everything figured out. Right. That's good advice for sure. So, so I find nothing wrong with that. You're going to hit some bumps in the road, but you know, that's how you learn. Exactly. And how you, how you figure out, okay, what can, what do we need to do different and better and what's already working perfect? Yeah. You touched on some of the things that uh, I think about, cause I think of farming and especially food, right? Like the production of food, it's an art and being a farmer is in some ways like being an artist, you're creating something that you're sharing with the world and uh, you want to put your best foot forward. You want to create something um, beautiful that people love. And uh, even, you know, when you do your best and you put yourself out there, you make yourself vulnerable and you, you've created this thing, 
uh, even though you know you've done your best, you still have this uh, this self doubt. Like, well, are people going to like it? Is it going to be good enough? <laughs> even if it is good enough, and people tell you, "Oh, we love it. It's great," you know, you're still uh, an artist is his own worst critic. You look at it and you see the um, the improvements Lots. that you can make, and so. Uh, yeah, it's been well, yeah, they're always going to be making improvements. That'll be yeah. an ongoing process. <laughs> so we were talking about uh, harvesting before. So when you do that, so th- they need to go on ice right away. So what happens is we are we are required to get them under refrigeration by a certain time uh, in the morning, depending on the time of year. So in the warmer months, they have to be under mechanical refrigeration no later than eleven o'clock. And as the water, I mean, and the water and the air temperatures cool down in the fall and through the winter, um, that number gets pushed back to a one in the afternoon. So um, ah. that was one of the things that kind of held up our um, progress with the company was, was with the farming was we had to get our processing facility set up. So now we have our walk-in cooler and our certified processing facility. Oh, nice. And that allows us basically to get the order, the oysters out of the water and sell them directly to restaurants and consumers. We don't have to go through a middleman. We don't have to go through a distributor. We can do that on our own. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Definitely have more fresh product that way. Absolutely. And is, is there a season? So no, there isn't a seasonality with our oysters. They're going to they're gonna be available year round. And we're going to, the, the difference with uh, a farmed oyster that we grow at our farm, the, the long and the short of it is, is that we don't produce an oyster that uh, reproduces. And uh, wild oysters, when they reproduce, sometimes it it it, dra- it alters the the taste and the texture of the oyster. And so that's where that old adage, you know, except in in months that don't have an R in them, right? The warmer months, mm-hmm. that's when wild oysters are typically spawning. So ah, uh, so yep, our oysters are. Uh, different variety that do not spawn they're sterile so we're able to offer a consistent um product year-round so if you ever be interesting to see if i'm sorry go ahead lindy i was gonna say if you ever encounter anyone that says they don't eat oysters in the summer months you can tell them that if it's a farm-raised product they're completely safe to do so and um, that kind of more so applies for just the wild oysters right right and um i was gonna say it'll be interesting to see if there's a difference in flavor to the oysters based on colder harvests versus warmer harvests? There, there absolutely is. So right now, these water temperatures, cool as they are comparatively to where they were in the summer, um, an oyster, what it does is it starts packing in glycogen, fat into his reserves, and he's storing up energy for, for the winter. And so you know that's why you go – to uh, fall oyster roasts, that's when they're they're kind of known for being the, the the best. You know, they're they're still pretty good most times of year, but they're the the best in the fall when they're nice. So and bigger, fat. bigger and fattier. You can, I mean, when you in the fall when you shuck open these oysters, I mean, they're bursting out of the shell. Wow. They're yeah. They you can really notice a difference in the plumpness of them. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to go back to one of the things that you were talking about, Brian, just to make sure that everyone's clear. And I only know this because I did some reading this morning. Yeah. So there's old advice. that says only eat oysters in months that contain the letter R in the name, like September through April and not like May through August. And like Brian said, that's really for the wild oysters. And that's when they're also reproducing and that changes them. So, but I also read, and this is true for what you just said, uh, Brian, that 
where is it here? Yeah, Oyst many oysters from warmer regions are now, uh, is it triploids? Triploids, yep. Triploids, triploids, which means they're bred to be sterile. Mm. Yeah, right. so you yeah, have that I issue. Mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it's something that gives us the opportunity to offer something consistent year-round that doesn't have that variability. Because if we went out of business during the summer, that wouldn't be very good, would it? No. Right. So yeah. are, are there any other significant differences between farm-raised versus wild? So... Yes and no. I mean, uh, uh, so so you could have two oysters that might be grown in the same area, one of them farmed or one of them wild, and they might have a similar um, taste in terms of the taste profile or the miroir, if you will, of the, the oyster. But um, with farming, we're subjecting it the, the oysters to some kind of different environmental conditions. We're handling them. We're sorting them. We're tumbling them. And in that tumbling, we kind of encourage uh, kind of a thicker, deeper growing, deeper cup shell um, versus one in the wild. You know, when you, when you think about oysters kind of growing traditionally in the wild, they go they grow in these congregations and these dense bars where they're competing for space. And so they're crowded together and they might grow skinny and they might grow funkily shaped. But in um, with farming, we have the ability to kind of direct that process a little bit and right yeah each time we go out to the farm we're we're really handling these oysters ourselves every time we go out we're encouraging growth to be a certain way we break off the bill a little bit so they'll grow um more round and plump and we're you know knocking off any barnacles we see on them so essentially it is a prettier oyster right aesthetics side of it and we also work them out. We make them go to the gym a little bit. We take them. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not kidding. We take them and we 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 turn our uh, we, we dry them. We flip these bags on top of each other. And we can make the oysters dry out of the water. And what that does is it forces them to clam up, if you will, and they they clamp themselves closed. And in doing that, they're developing that adductor muscle that 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 strong muscle that you have to cut when you shuck an oyster that's holding him together and um when you eat an oyster you know how you get that you know, i think we talked about it on the first episode how there's a there's a, a difference in the taste of the oyster as you're even as you're eating it you know it starts very salty and then you get a little bit of a sweet finish and that sweet finish is that adductor muscle it's that sweet scallop like meat cool so we're trying to teach our oysters how to work out those uh <laughs> That's great. That is really cool. And one one thing I'd like to just kind of clear up for people, I think we probably did it on the first podcast. When we're talking about oyster farming, it's completely different from farmed fish. This is out in open water. So this is not like they're like farmed fish. If you want to clear that up, you guys go ahead. I'm not saying it properly, but <laughs> Yeah, so um in that I like to use there's another analogy I think of it's it's ranching. You can think about a cattle farmer. He might own his cattle, but he might not own he might own his cattle, but maybe not the land. And so mm -hmm. pay, you know, the federal government some money to to graze his cattle on federal lands. That's what we do. We own our oysters. We're not taking any oysters from the wild. We purchase seed from a hatchery. We stock it out at a farm location where it performs a service. And uh, you know, aside from our time and our effort. We, we don't have any significant inputs of, um, 
of food or, or they don't require any watering. Right. Right. <laughs> so, right. So yeah, it's a sustainable operation. That's awesome. Thank you for yeah, clearing that it's up. It's all, all natural. Yes. So currently, well, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the last time uh, we noticed who had your oysters, it was uh, Altamari, Urban Brew and Barbecue, and the Urban Stillhouse. Yes. So we, we've added oh, a few more. Um, and Urban Brew and Barbecue, it's actually, that's our retail partner, is the Urban Market um, that yeah. is housed in what used to be Urban Comfort. So they have a little okay. local market there. And uh-huh. um, that's basically how you're able to buy our oysters if you don't want to go enjoy them in a restaurant. So those oh, are awesome. cool. oh, okay. Yeah, that's good to know. Retail location. So you'd order through our website, and then you just go ahead and pick them up at Urban Market. Um, oh, that's great. That. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they've been really awesome to work with. And then for our restaurants, we have Urban Stillhouse, Alto. Um, we have Baskin's Baskin Chop House. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. Some representation in Ebor. There's um, the restaurant called Barter House over there. Mm-hmm. Am I missing any? We've talked to some others, but we haven't firmed things up yet. We had some. Yeah, um, we have a we bunch have of things on the horizon. So right. we're, we're really excited. We've talked to a lot of great local chefs, and you know, we, it's it's great that we're something we like about being our own processor and distributor of our oysters is we can be selective about where they end up mm-hmm. and. Living in St. Pete, as you know, it's a huge foodie destination and a huge local foodie scene. We right. have, of course, favorite restaurants that are held in you know high regard in the community, and those are the ones that we're approaching about right. you know having our oysters there. So we're able to enjoy them at the places that we would want to go enjoy oysters ourselves. Yeah, that's so great. can people typically find them on the weekends, or do they t- tend to last through the week? So I guess it varies by location. So your best shot at finding a Lost Coast Loco is checking our social media on Fridays because that's where we're going to give you an update on our deliveries, um, where we're going to be that weekend. We're going to harvest uh, on Fridays. So and yeah, we pretty much update the social media and say, this is where you can enjoy your oysters this weekend. I think they do the, run into the next week, but it, it can vary, you know, just depending right. on who they are that weekend. Right. Uh, and your ready. Facebook page is uh, Lost Coast Oyster Company LLC, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, or or just at Lost Coast Oysters as well. we'll get right, there. and that's our Instagram handle as well. Yep. Okay. And two days from now, October 29th, there is a Lost Coast Oyster party at Altamari Fish Bar in downtown St. Pete. That's at 300 Beach Drive. So that's a Thursday, October 29th at 6 p.m. And it's outdoors and socially distant. And pre-COVID, I was always socially distant until I had a drink or two and then watch out (laughs) Then I'm your best friend. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a really great time. Um, Chef Joshua Breen, he's been a fan of ours since day one. Um, I think he was our very first restaurant that we sold to. Mm -hmm. Um, They've just been really supportive of us and they wanted to host this launch party for our oysters. Um, They've been out in the community for a little bit now, but this is, you know, officially their formal introduction to... The, the Berg area, nice. um, you will. So yeah, it's, there's going to be like a tent set up on Beach Drive. It's it is outdoors. Um, we of course are going to be encouraging socially distant um, activities, and we may bring you know some raffle items. Um, there'll definitely be some food and drink specials. Brian and I will be there talking about the process and our farm and our oysters. I'm sure Brian will be shucking some for people. So it'll be a good time. 
Awesome. That's awesome. And I can say, because we did have Lost Coast, Oyster, Lost Coast Oysters at the Urban Stillhouse um, a couple of weeks ago, I found them delicious. The brine, the brine's amazing. And like you said, that little bit of sweetness at the end, they were absolutely the best oysters I've ever had. Thank you. That's so You're nice. welcome. Yeah, totally. That's what we love to hear. <laughs> so remember, two days from now on Thursday, there's the party at Altamari Fish Bar. On the 29th. At, at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. And Brian and Lindsay Rossiger, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank Thank you, guys. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. So, Lori, you've been doing Weight Watchers, Mm -hmm. which now they just go by their initials WW. Right. For five weeks now, and you've lost just shy of 15 pounds. Actually, as of this morning, 15 and a half. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And I want to say congratulations. Thank you. And I'm a little behind you because the first week I was still finishing up some online culinary school assignments that I not only made, but I ate. (laughs) But I'm down 7.6 right now. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. And being on a diet isn't the only reason to have salad. No. But if you're going to have salad, why not have the best, most healthiest salads in downtown St. Pete? Yes. And speaking of which, this segment is sponsored by Greenstock, which is a chef-driven and ingredient-focused salad and wraps, fast casual eatery right in the heart of downtown St. Pete. It is. Everything is fresh. Nothing comes out of a can. That's one of their rules. That's their number one rule over there. Mm-hmm. You can see all the in- fresh ingredients right in the case. Yes, you can. And they, even, even the dressings. Mm-hmm. They make them from scratch, right in-house. Greenstock is what's for lunch today. It is. So what did you have? I always look forward to our lunch at Greenstock. Um, as usual, I made a you-inspired little salad, um, or little green as they call it. Mm-hmm. And today, mine was made of romaine and spinach. Then I chose my stocks, which was cucumbers, tomatoes, pickled red onions, snap peas. And then I had two additional ones because you get four watermelon radish, and carrots. Then I chose my two finishes, which I had crispy wasabi peas and sunflower seeds. And then I added a protein, which was their delicious, yummy, fresh, fresh, fresh tuna salad. Yeah, so good. It's so good. Yeah, it was a delicious salad, lots of crunch, 
Um, I put, uh, because of Weight Watchers, I'm just doing a teaspoon of olive oil and um, red wine vinegar for dressing all the time with all of my salads. So that's what I had on mine. And so how many points is that for uh, Weight Watchers too? Oh, wow. That's really good. Yeah. So for the very first time, I also did a, what they call a you inspired where you just you pick, did. you pick your ingredients and, you know, put it together yourself. And I went with uh, romaine and baby kale mm-hmm. for my leafy stuff, jicama, edamame, quinoa, black beans, toasted pepitas, crispy wasabi peas, and the turmeric tahini dressing I love. Right. It, it looks like yellow yeah, mustard. Yeah, it does look like yellow mustard. Uh, totally. And it doesn't taste like it, but it tastes really good. Mm-hmm. It does have some, um, like yellow mustard has the uh, brightness. Right. And then I added hummus. And I would say they're the hummus at Greenstock and the tuna that mm. you got are the best hummus and the best tuna I've ever had. Wow. How did you like the uh, quinoa and the black beans? I really there? liked it. I mean, what I was going for was, um, well, with my Romanian baby cow, I like both of those a lot and I haven't had them in a long time. Mm-hmm. So that was easy. Mm-hmm. And then I was going for different textures and some crunchy stuff. Right. And with the, the jicama is a, a tiny bit crunchy. Mm-hmm. The edamame, definitely. The quinoa gives another whole dimension of texture in your mouth. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it turns out I know what I like, and I liked it a lot. Awesome. So I'll pat myself on the back for making that salad. So also, you guys, this comes out on the 27th of October, so you have a few days left to get the October special feature, which is the Welcome to Fall salad. It's a seasonal treat that's made with spinach and kale tossed with both roasted and pickled butternut squash, red cabbage, apple, ricotta salata cheese, chili-dusted pumpkin seeds, which are really good, and it's drizzled in a pumpkin vinaigrette, which is really good as well. Right. So check out Greenstock on the 400 block of Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They are now open for dine-in for the first time since March. It's been a few weeks now. They've been open for dine-in, and they have extended their hours. They used to close at 3. Now they are open at 10.30 in the morning till 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Nice. And you can order on their website, which is eatatgreenstock.com. And we have a little piece of news came out last week. You may or may not know that there's another business, St. Pete Meat and Provisions, where they have very high quality butcher shop type stuff, all and kinds. We've sampled several of them. They're, they're fantastic cuts of meat. Yes, yeah, the top of the line stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the same ownership as Greenstock. Yes. And now, before you can only order that online, now you can go to Greenstock in person, perhaps to get a nice salad or wrap, but you can also shop the St. Pete Meat and Provisions right there and buy them right there in and person. And they sell their salad dressings and hummus and a few other of those items as yeah. well. There's a Fresno chili blue cheese dressing that is awesome. This is Chris Walker, and you're listening to St. Foodies Podcast. New on the website, we have a couple of new top 10 lists and a new restaurant review. We have the top 10 fish tacos in St. Pete, and half of them are St. Pete Beach too, I believe. We have the 10 best salads in St. Pete for 2020. And we have a review of Seaworthy Fish Bar that's in Tierra Verde 
and it's the same chef and ownership as Brick and Mortar downtown, and that's Jason and Hope Ruhe. And Jason is an amazing chef, and you should go check out that review and the restaurant. Next week on the show, we'll have a fantastic recipe using Lost Coast Oyster Company's oysters. And we'll be talking to former farmer and fellow foodie, Dr. Nicholas Okeson. If you'd like to send us fan mail, hate mail, or if you have any requests for interviews or restaurant reviews, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guests, Brian and Lindsay Rossiger. And thanks to our sponsors. Greenstock. Rolling Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number, number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Got any fried chicken? Best damn chicken in the state. Bring me four fried chickens and a Coke. You want chicken wings or chicken legs? Four fried chickens and a Coke.